I want to speak this evening for just a few moments on um, the greatest gift not received. The greatest gift not received. Who has ever returned a gift that you received? In your life, you have received, I suspect, some gift that you returned. Maybe it was the wrong size, maybe it was the wrong color, or maybe you just didn't like it. But I imagine you have at some time in your life received a gift that you returned. Tonight I want to talk on not a typical Christmas passage, but I want to look at the book of John, chapter 1. John chapter 1, verses 5 through 14. I will read it for us because I doubt that you can read it because it's not very bright out there, which is fine. But I'm going to read John chapter 1, verses 5 through 14. And the word of God says, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He, John, was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He, Jesus Christ, was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now I understand this is not a typical Christmas passage. It doesn't talk about the baby Jesus. It doesn't talk about shepherds. It doesn't talk about wise men. But what it does speak of is contained in this is all the theology of what we call Christmas. All of the, all of the biblical teaching that is behind Christmas is contained in this passage. And this evening I want to share for just a few minutes with you the most awesome, most wonderful, most majestic and maybe one of the saddest passages in Scripture. Not a typical Christmas passage, but absolutely appropriate. I want to start first of all, point number one is, we see a light that was not understood. A light that was not understood. Verse 5 says, And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Tonight we will conclude our service with the lighting of candles and a Christmas candlelight service. And that reminds me of this verse, for what the Bible tells us is that Jesus Christ, when he came to earth, he came as the light. He came as the light. And it even says that this was the true light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Tonight, as we consider Jesus Christ and the birth of Jesus Christ, folks, don't forget that he is the light. He is the light. He is the one who brings the light. He was himself the light. But unfortunately, Scripture tells us he was a light that was not understood. On that first Christmas night, 
the world witnessed a once and forever light. A light that the world saw at that season that it has not seen since. And a light that this earth will not see again until he comes back in the clouds. But what's interesting about that light, what this verse tells us about that light, when we think about it, that we know that the shepherds saw that light. We know that the wise men saw that light. But beyond that, the rest of the world went about their busyness, and they either never saw it or never stopped to consider it. Herod heard about it from the wise men. But all it did was cause his insecurities and his pettiness to rise up. He was so lost in his own darkness of soul that he couldn't even see the light as it shone so brightly. This light came. This light that was once in, an, once in a forever. This light that shone in the midst of darkness and it just tells us that men comprehended it not. The darkness comprehended at night. Comprehended it not. That word comprehended, that, that Greek word that's comprehended, it, it means to grasp, to take hold of. It, mean they, it says that that light was there, but they just did not catch the significance. It doesn't say they did not see it. It doesn't say that the light shined in darkness and nobody saw it. What it says is the light shined in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. They didn't get it. They didn't get it. Matthew, in chapter 4, Matthew quotes from Isaiah chapter 9. And he says this, Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast, in the borders of Zebulon and Nephalim, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. And then he says this, The people which sat in darkness saw a great light. And to them which sat in the region in the shadow of death, light has sprung up. I want you to think about when, as we consider the birth of Jesus Christ, at that moment, right there in Bethlehem, as that babe came into the world, there was a profound light. Prophesied by, prophesied by Isaiah. Attested by John the Baptist. Seen by the wise men, seen by the shepherds, but uncared for by anyone else. Did not comprehend it, did not care, indifferent to the light. The light shone brightly right smack in the midst of darkness and the darkness was so full of its darkness that it didn't comprehend it. There was a brightness, a light there in Bethlehem And I can't help but wonder if people being people, people being as we are, if maybe they didn't complain, that man, it sure is hard to sleep with that bright light out there. You know, they didn't comprehend the light. 
But then John moves on to another level of really sadness in this passage as we go into verse 10. Verse 10 says, He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. The world knew him not. Number two was a creator not known. A creator not known. It's interesting, in John chapter 1, if you just want to go through on your own sometime and just underline the word not, how many times you see that word in chapter 1 of John. But he was the creator not known. John moves to a whole different level now. The imagery in this verse is so profound. For when Jesus Christ came into the world, on that moment when Jesus came into the world in Bethlehem, as John attests to, he was in the world and the world was made by him. When he, when he was first, took that first breath there in Bethlehem, he breathed air that he created. When he looked up into the stars there in Bethlehem, he knew those stars by name, for he had placed them there and knew that. When he later, when he walked up on the earth, he walked up on soil that he had created. John, in trying to get the readers and get us to understand how heavy this thing is, he throws in that the, this, this world, don't, don't take it lightly what he says, he was in this world, and yes, this very world that into which he came, it wasn't just any world, it was a world created by him. And John draws that, he draws our focus to that because he wants us to understand how sad the next clause is. Because he's in this world that he created, and that same world knew him not. He was in the world. He came here, he lived here, he did everything here. The world was made by him. The world was made by him. And don't lose sight of that. For what John is affirming there as well is that that babe in the manger is indeed God. The world was made by that baby. He is God. That baby who came down to this earth is totally the creator God in the flesh. He came to the world that he made. But then the text moves on. He came into a world he created, but yet was not recognized by that same world. The entire world system, the humanity, the government, what we would call civilization, stood and watched who he was, how he lived, what he said, all he did. And their reaction was one of total disregard or disdain. If we focus on that part of that Jesus, of Jesus Christ as he comes into the world, I think it may help us to understand why Isaiah called him a man of sorrows. A man of sorrows. As he walked on a, in a world amongst people whom he had created. And it says, they knew him not. Honestly, this clause of this verse challenges me as a follower of Christ because it challenges me do I live my life acknowledging him and seeking to know him because as John writes this that they, they knew him not I think well am I working to know him 
And I go to what the Apostle Paul said. Paul said one of his passions was that he might know him in the fellowship of his suffering. To treat him as a stranger is to treat him the way those people did when he first came to earth. You see, if we don't seek to know him, live as ones who know him, then we may well be behaving like those who knew him not. Thirdly, in verse 11, we see, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. We see, thirdly, a Messiah not received. A Messiah not received. Here the depth of his rejection is defined. Imagine what, as he comes into the whole world, the world in general doesn't know him, but then he draws it down narrower, more closely, to a specific group of people who should know him, and they didn't even know him. Imagine what it would be like if tomorrow you walked into your family home to celebrate Christmas, and they simply said, hey, who are you? You say, yeah, but I, but I grew up here. I'm part of the family. Aren't you expecting me? And they would reply with, why are you here? What do you want? Why are you upsetting our lives? We don't want you here. But that's exactly what verse 11 describes for Jesus Christ. He came unto his own. People have been told of his arrival by the prophets, people who should have been anxiously awaiting his arrival. But when he wasn't what they thought he should be, they rejected him outright. We, you and I, when we do consider Christ in Christmas, sometimes we sort of believe the myth of the, of this, this, of the Christ in, the, in that creche there in Bethlehem of all of the beauty and all of the glory and, and even the love but actually, from that moment, Satan was hounding him. From that moment even, he was not received. He came and lived amongst his own people, and they hated him. They rejected him. It says, they rejected him. It says they received him not. And lastly, we find the next final, we find the final not of the story. His light was not understood. His creation did not know him. His own people did not receive him. But the final knot reveals why we celebrate the birth of Christ. For number four in verse 12 and 13, we see salvation not earned or not deserved. For verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe in his name which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. You see, friends, this is the beauty of the story. This is the beauty of Christ for you and I. This world rejected him. His people rejected him. But John goes on to say, as a result of that, he opened the door of salvation to any who will receive him. Rejected by the world. Rejected by his own. But the beauty of the story is, for all who will accept him, he offers eternal life. 
but as many as receive him to them gives he power to become the sons of God. God says that for those who will receive him, he will in turn receive them into his family. If I will but receive Christ, he receives me. And God brings me into his family. Christ was the greatest gift ever given. Christ was the greatest gift ever rejected. But Christ gives to any who will receive him the greatest gift of salvation. The world rejected the greatest gift. We return Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. We will return many, many gifts because we did not want them or they weren't right. But friends, Jesus Christ says if you will receive him, if you will receive him, he will give you a gift of eternal life that you would never return. God says to any who will receive his gift, it is a totally a gift. It's not earned. He says it's not by your birthright. It's not by your lineage. It's not by anything you might do of your own power. For the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And for by grace are you saved through faith and not, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The greatest gift ever given was a rejected gift. But the gift was then made available to all, all and any who will receive it. Christmas is about gifts. But it began with the greatest gift, a rejected gift. But lastly, consider Romans chapter 5 with me, which says, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Christmas is, we look at it as gifts. And Christmas started with a gift. The gift that was at first rejected. But a gift that now is available to any who will call upon him, any who will receive him. But as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Friend, I ask you this evening, have you received the gift? There were some on earth who saw the light. They saw the gift. And their response was, huh, and rolled over and went back to sleep. My friend, the gift is there. The gift is there, and, Christ, and God says that if we will but receive that gift, he will give to us eternal life. He will bring us into God's family. The greatest gift, not received by the world, is the greatest gift you can receive. And if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've never been born again, if you've never received that gift, as we close this time together, 
I'm going to invite you to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior tonight. Tonight, on the eve of Christmas 2020, you can receive that gift. Would you join me in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the awesome, indescribable, unspeakable gift that we have in Jesus Christ. That, Lord, you came and your gift was rejected. But, Lord, now for any of us who will receive that gift, you promise to us eternal life. And, Father, if there are any here this evening who on this Christmas Eve, the year 2020, have never received the gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that tonight, tonight they would receive the gift. That they would not be guilty of walking away from the light. But, Lord, they would receive the light, that they would receive the gift. I just want to say, if you're here, while we have our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you're here this evening and you've never received the gift of Jesus Christ, I can't even see you, it's dark, it's dark out there, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, I invite you tonight to receive that gift that you might become a child of God. If you've never been born again, if you've never received the gift of eternal life, I invite you to just to sincerely in your heart pray with me. Just, just say, Heavenly Father, I realize that I'm a sinner. But Father, I believe that Jesus Christ came and brought to earth the gift of eternal life to any who will receive, to any who will believe. And tonight, Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. Tonight I believe that he came to earth to forgive me of my sins. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that he rose from the grave for my sins. And tonight, Father, I receive the gift of eternal life. I accept your free gift of eternal life. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Change me. Prepare me for heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.